You see, <laughs> this is the type of thing that you have to share with people. Hello and welcome to the Rosie Experience. I have literally been working on myself. Just one second. Children, children, hey, inside voices for now. Give me a second. Okay? All right. So anyways, I've been working on myself a lot. And what is working on yourself, you might ask? There's a lot of things about me that I don't like, that I didn't like, and I never knew how to fix them. And I always wound up around people who didn't like the things about me that I also don't like about me. So all they did was point out what they didn't like about me. So I never got a chance to love my insecurities. I never got a chance to fight that demon and not have insecurities. I never got a chance to do that. The only thing I was ever able to do was focus on what's wrong with me. This is wrong with me. I don't do this right. I'm pretty, but not pretty enough. I'm too fat. I, I lost a lot of weight, but I still got a stomach though. Like I think about all these things about myself because everyone that I've ever been around, that's the only things about me they speak about. They don't say, oh, you are very intelligent, Rosemary. You're very intellectual. The way that you think is so different. I feel like that's something that other people need to hear. Like I'm not used to being around people who feed my mind like that. The people I'm around call that trying to, uh, trying to be cute or thinking you better than everybody. That's what people that I be around think of that as. No one around me was ever able to elevate because everyone was always putting each other's fire out and stunting each other's growth. That's the way it goes in Wichita, Kansas. You see somebody with some spark and you remember what it felt like to have spark, but you lost your spark a long time ago. So you want them to feel like you. You want them to feel exactly how you feel. That way you don't be the only person miserable. And that's why they say misery loves company. They're not trying to be funny when they say that. It's just the truth. If your whole life, you are miserable. All because maybe you made one wrong decision or you decided to do one thing you shouldn't have decided to do, then that changed your whole life. Instead of just looking at that like, okay, let me step over that. You look at it like, this is why my life has to suck. I was molested as a child. This is why my life has to suck. I was abandoned as a child. This is why my life has to suck. I had to start working young as a child. This is why my life has to suck. No, because everything I just said happened to me. I grew up in a two-parent household and everyone looks at it like, well, you had the American dream. No, I didn't. Parents literally fist fighting all the time. And if it wasn't fist fighting, it was choking each other, pulling out knives on each other, hitting each other upside the head with lamps, breaking glass on each other's like face, like breaking each other's ankles. Like my parents weren't normal. My mom was very soft and kind hearted. But she was a fighter before she started having kids. She started having kids when she was 16. So there was a lot of things that my mom would get very upset about. Would she hit us? No. My mom stopped hitting us a long time ago because there was one point in time where one of my sisters accidentally, well, she didn't accidentally, she put me and my other sister inside of a baby bathtub and pushed us under the bed because my mom told her to play with us and she didn't want to play with us. My mom said she came back a couple hours later, couldn't find us, and we were both sweating like about to have a heat stroke. So she whooped my sister so bad that she said that she saw red and she could have killed her. 
So after that, she said she don't whoop us no more. So growing up with the mom who was afraid to put her hands on us because of how strong she is, and growing up with the father who put his hands on us every chance he got, smack us in the face every chance we got, call us stupid, call us dumb, thump us in the face, punch us in the back. Like my father was very abusive, mentally and physically. We weren't called kids, we were called little MFs. That's what he called us. So going through that type of traumatic, like, difference like one parent is on the complete other side of the spectrum than the other parent that was very meticulous but it was also very confusing it was so confusing i never knew when i could laugh when i could smile so what i used to do was just act i didn't like my reality so i started doing theater Yes, I have an older sister who did theater, but she didn't take it as seriously as I did. Theater was literally life to me. Maybe she did take it that seriously, I just didn't see it. But we would write plays. My sister would start it always, because she was older. We would write plays out from start to finish. Like even putting in parentheses what's going on in the background type of writing plays. Like we were doing the damn thing. We would invite family members over to watch our plays. We would do talent shows. Our parents didn't help us orchestrate any of this. But once they saw that we have fire and desire into it, they would talk to us about putting us on Star Search, but never did. And then one, one weekend, they finally got my Uncle Tommy's camcorder and they recorded us doing it and then we put it on uh vhs which years later we wound up putting on a dvd my sister shanisha still has that to this day we were so serious about it i was 10 so everybody else was whatever age they are distance away from me i know sasha was 11 and jerry i think he was 16 jerry wasn't living with us my dad kicked him out when he was 16 so yeah like and we were all there, Shinesha, Jerese, we were all there. Then my cousin little Tommy came over. It was it was ridiculously fun. Like we joined other family members in. Then the next day my and Jeannie's kids came over. So it was Chrissy, Glory. I don't think Precious was there, just Chrissy and Glory spent the night and we was dancing. It was amazing. And that was something that was so quick, but it was something that we never forgot. My family still relives that moment sometimes. We rewatch that sometimes. We get to be back in that moment sometimes. That's what I like to do. I like to record myself and things that are going on around me because when life is shitty, I'm sorry for, excuse my French, but when life is not going my way, I would love to go look at pictures and videos to remind me of when life was going my way. Because while I'm living through it, I don't be remembering what it felt like. I gotta go back and look at the pictures, watch the videos to remember what it felt like. But that's the Rosie experience. That's the way Rosie lives. Yes, baby. Um, are we going to have breakfast and then go shopping? Um, we're, put, we're going shopping first and then we're going to go have fun, okay? Okay. That's my baby. They ready to go shopping. We got a couple stores to go to. So I'm about to get off this podcast. Not yet, ma. Y'all please have a blessed day for me. The sun is out. We about to have some fun. We about to stop and smell the roses. Cause I don't even know what roses smell like. Y'all have a great day. Thank you for tuning in to the Rosie Experience. Another self-realization moment. Hello and welcome to the Rosie Experience. I love talking to my friends. They really open my mind. And a lot of the times when my mind is open, I go into beast mode. I don't wanna just say a lot of the times, every time. 
every time that my mind gets open to something, I go into beast mode because I straddle the fence with a lot of things. The reason why I stayed in those situations I stayed in so long was because I'm always straddling the fence. I could really love you, love everything about you, see your potential, and stay with you for that, but at the same time, hate you so much and want to leave you because of the way that you treat me. But because I see your potential, my dumb self stays because I'm like, okay, even if I get a couple bumps and bruises, I'm going to make this person stronger. I'm like sandpaper. I'm like sandpaper. That's what I do for people. When sandpaper rubs on something, it makes it shinier. Because sandpaper is so damaged that it has nothing but help to give. It can scratch all of the imperfections off. The next thing you know, you just look beautiful. And that's what I am on sandpaper. So I do people like that. Everybody who has ever been touched by Rosie comes into a trance of self-worth, self-love. Whether I've done your hair, whether I've babysat your kids, or we've talked on the phone, just having cordial conversation that turned into something spectacular, anybody that I've ever been around, I created a mark on you. I purposely leave a mark in everybody, because I know how I am. Things that are said and done to me stick with me forever. I just ain't have much nice said or done to me. So if that type of thing can stick with me forever, then how long do I think that something good can stick with somebody for eternity? That's how long I think. So even though I might make funny jokes, jokes that are funny to me, I don't know. I might say some things that seem off the wall. My intentions are always good. I never go into a situation looking at what I can get out of it. I'm always looking at the potential that we could get something out of it or not just we, maybe just you. Sometimes I see that I would have to take one for the team in a sense so that you can be stronger. I do that for people all the time. If I'm running down to my last few dollars and so are you and what you need, if I feel like it's important enough that you need some help with it and nobody else is going to help you, I'll help you. And I won't even tell you that was my last few dollars. You know why? Because I know I can make some more. I, I'm, a mar- I'm a jack of all trades. I leave my mark in so many areas. It's not hard for me to get money if I need money. Because like I said, I left my mark in so many areas. I have friends who are big time business owners. I have friends who work for the government, friends who work for big corporations. I am always covered. Always. I just choose not to have to go that route, not to have to ask those people for help. I choose to do things on my own because I make I leave my mark on so many people that I could literally just walk freely anywhere and not be scared because somebody would protect me. I have bodyguards everywhere I go. I just was so used to staying alone, staying to myself, being stuck in my thoughts, and that's not what I need to do. When I talk to other people, the things that they say to me sticks with me so much that it changes my mind. So I say all that to say, I was having a talk with one of my friends. We've been friends since we were seven years old. It's always been like we'll be distant for a little bit and then we're super close, distant, super close. Uh, anyways, her name's Nilda. We were on the phone for quite some time talking about our situations. Me and her both have abusive baby daddies and me and her both did the I'm going to stay with you and stick it out route. 
She had been with him since she was in middle school. She's 29 now. She finally left him. Me, I had been with my ex since I was 19. Didn't leave him till I was 25. And then that was just my ex-husband, my ex-boyfriend, uh, my baby daddy. I was with him for three and a half years. He was abusive that whole time. I should have been and left him. So we understand each other because I've walked with her through her situation and she walked with me through mine. Um, she's finally to a point where she pursues what she needs to pursue in court. Me, I haven't done that yet. Yes, I created it, but I didn't pursue it. I left. But I realized that I have to be stronger for myself and for my children. And being stronger means not worrying about if people say anything about, oh, you put your baby daddy in jail because my baby daddy put me in the hospital multiple times. Nobody cared. People actually made jokes about it. So if I put him in jail, how am I wrong? So I had to get to that point. So now I have the type of protection where if you call me, text me, email me, show up at my door, show up anywhere I'm at, or send somebody to show up anywhere I'm at, you're going to jail. When women have to get PFAs, it's not to be paid. If a woman finally feels the need to go and get a PFA, it's because she literally feels like or knows that this is the only way she's going to have protection because this person was so abusive that when she finally left them, they felt like they lost something that they possess. It's their possession. So now they'll do anything, including kill that possession, just so that nobody else can have that possession because it's theirs. That's how these men look at us. Now there are some women who are petty, but I don't consider them women, those are girls. There are some girls who are petty, who will go get a PFA just because you're sleeping with somebody else. Those women deserve to be in jail themselves because they're playing with your freedom and they're playing with your children. But me and my friend would never do anything like that. We'd stay with somebody while they're beating us before we try to put them in jail. That's what we did. When we finally get to that point of putting them in jail, that's when we realized this is never going to work. I thought God put me in this person's life to help fix this person. This is never going to work. This person is never going to stop hitting me. I thought I was going to have to deal with a few bumps and bruises, but now I'm realizing he's going to kill me because he's not going to stop hitting me. He's never going to learn because I'm so nice and I'm not going to stop being nice just because he's not going to learn. I need to get away from him. But how do I get away from him when he follows me everywhere I go? I have moved across town before and he followed me there. I have completely cut contact with him and he created fake numbers to contact me. Like, I cannot get rid of this man. Knowing that, I have to have protection because I got four babies. He claims my first one because he's been in her life since she was six months old. So we have four kids together. Four kids. Do you honestly think that a man who would abuse his own children and abuse the mother of his children while she's pregnant with those children and right after a C-section with those children, do you really think that somebody like that would not try to kill mother or kids? Because these are the type of men who won't abuse you in front of people. They'll abuse you in front of their family because their family know that they're B-words. I don't want to say it because I don't want nobody to be offended by this podcast. But their family knows that they're weak. Their family knows that the reason why they hit women is because they're weak. But So their family's not going to say nothing. So yeah, they'll hit you in front of their family. But in public or anything like that, they're not about to hit you because they know people are quick to call the laws. 
they do it to people that they know are not going to pursue them in court. So once you start pursuing them in court, they start looking at you the way they look at everybody else. And how is that a bad thing? I want you to look at me the way that you look at white people. I want you to look at me the way that you look at people who are rich. I want you to look at me the way that you look at people who you call scary. Because those are people you will not mess with. You will not mess with scary people. Because you know scary people will call the police. So call me scary. I don't care. You're not going to kill me or my children. So if I have to be called a scary bee or a police bee because of that, then that's just what I'm going to be. Because I'm going to protect me and mine. And I don't care what anybody has to say about it. I don't care if anybody is offended by this podcast. Because when I was in those situations getting abused and the people who are offended now were there watching it and didn't do anything but make jokes about it or claim that they were so mad about it but literally never did anything about it. And anytime I did call the police, that person would talk bad about me to him. Why are you talking bad about me to him when you were on the phone telling me I need to call the police? Then after I call the police, you start telling him that that's why you need to stop messing with her because she's a police bee. Oh, oh okay. So we're two-faced. That's cool. So once I realized who I was dealing with, I had to become them. Because if you can't be them, join them. I became them. I started doing and saying the same stuff they were doing. Just so that I can stay one step ahead at all times. I'm not going to continue to act like my sweet self because that's me. I'm not going to continue to do that when I know that I'm dealing with a whole bunch of leeches who do not mind going to jail, who do not mind killing you.